Next is the keynote session uh, by Ms. Geeti Thadani. As Gopi mentioned, she is one of the pioneers of the LGBT movement in India and uh, written the most authoritative work, the most cited work on this subject. I mean, in ancient India, the idea of same-sex love, the way it is depicted in our, uh, in our, uh, I mean, uh, ancient traditions, in our temples, it's, it's she brilliantly documented in her book. And uh, this is the basic subject which she's going to talk about today. So we will right uh, away get into next it. over to Geeti ji. Sorry, I'm sitting uh, down and speaking. I have some few issues with my feet, so I have to sit. It is my fault too, because why should I sit on a pulpit? I mean, we don't have a pulpit tradition. Uh, 
that I think uh, we'll do away with uh, these actually really beautiful, I don't see it as a formality, I think it's an actual act of gratitude, you know. So, dhanyawad to everybody who's made it possible to have this, uh, uh, you know, dialogue taking place and to have this occasion for me to say uh, some of my words. Uh, just a brief note on the political implications that we are facing today. When I wrote my book in 1992 and gave it to the English publisher, mm, I wanted the title of the book to be called Ecologies of Desire and not Sakiyana. And they actually took out half the book and really mutilated the book. So I hate the book. I don't even want to see it. And of course, at that time, no Indian publisher would have it. It was a totally taboo uh, area, not just in Indology or you know uh, Indian studies or Sanskrit studies or whatever, but it was also a, a taboo in the so-called modern social sciences. And even the feminist movement uh, did not want to deal with it. So nobody wanted to de deal with it. The communists were the worst, were some of the worst. And today they have actually, you know, using uh, gender and sexuality uh, to bash Hinduism. So I think that we have to be very, very aware of, uh, you know, the political context. And we have to be very aware of the fact that there's a lot of money being spent on this, I don't know, I've lose count of, you know, because uh, I don't even identify as a Western anymore. I mean, I live, a, I live a, on a totally different level. And for me, it's really that these, the, the actual notion, the concept of identity is in itself problematic because you're actually inheriting it from a dualistic system. Basically what you're saying is that, you know, you have a normative system and then you have a non-normative system and you have to police what is the normative system. So what is politically correct today is politically wrong tomorrow. And that kind of policing is very dangerous because one, it's not doing anything for a genuine uh, articulation of plural modalities of being. But you're also not recognizing, I mean, I have no problem with, uh, you know, beautiful masculinity. I think, you know, it's, it's nice that I live in a country where, you know, there's a, a way that I can have a very deep dialogue with a certain beautiful masculinity without it becoming sexual, without it even having any kind of, you know, uh, now that is something beautiful. And also I feel as a woman that, uh, you know, I mean, I've lived in many places in the world and one of the nice things in coming, you know, in being in uh, Bharat is that, uh, you know, you, you, there's no envy in terms of the feminine mind. I mean, you know, we have women scientists now, feminine Mars, Muslim, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, where is it coming from? And why is this sort of demonization taking place of the umbrella of Hinduism under the notion of gender and sexuality. That is highly, highly problematic. Because one of the key concepts that when I was, uh, you know, and like I said, you know, the work I did in 92, it was like, for me, it's, uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, publish the book in the same way, even without the censorship now. Because in one sense, I was brought up, I mean, I come from a typical uh, refugee family, refugees, you know, from both sides, be because of uh, the creation of the, pure Islamic state uh, of so-called uh, Pakistan. At that time it was West Pakistan and East Pakistan. You know, uh, we lost the cultures of Sindh and Punjab. Punjab was decimated, was broken into half, and Sindh was absolutely gone. Now the etymology actually of Hind comes from Sindh because in Persian when I was studying Par Parsi, it's actually Parsi, Per comes from Arabic. 
so in pasti you often had the sir changing into her so you had satta became satta and uh, singh became he in lakhi you lose her so it becomes in so that is one one etymological line now what happens is if we grew up i went to convent school like all the good middle class kids but we completely lost that culture and we lost also what really happened and so we were brought up very liberal very secular but with absolutely no notion of what you know uh, uh, you know what the what any culture was because we've also lost our original languages now none of us speak hindi i mean you you know i can understand punjabi quite easily but certainly you know a hanker for this uh, sindhi saraswati civilization which uh, you know has now been desecrated uh, and i went to convent school and you know i had a problem with my school because i said i don't believe in coming to assembly and saying our father who art in heaven you know what he just told me out and i left school and i started traveling around the country and i started relearning sanskrit so this is really the backdrop of my own personal biography which is actually linked to a whole collective story now when i started researching now in the beginning of course you know i started finding of course you know all kinds of alternate i i'll call them alternate sexuality the umbrella of alternate sexuality in which i include include also uh, the so called nomadic uh, genders and sexuality because i think you know yes there is biological gender and there is you know i mean i don't have any problem calling someone a biological man so i think we have to keep in mind that just because you know there are the modes of being that you know we don't have this other, this 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 other notion but also what i found is that you know across the country i mean i practically uh, went to the high mountains i went to the south i went to the east i went to the west everywhere i found articulations and depictions of all kinds of like i said women pairs or whatever you want to call it so you see the, this is all being done the first thing the first cave painting uh, is from pachmani it's not dated it could be anything 15000 years old 20000 years old 5000 years old we don't know because most of the work has not been properly done i mean you know in terms we don't really have a proper functioning archaeology and then with the congress party there was a whole politics there was a whole sort of secular politics so uh, the next step is that you know everybody knows khajuraho everybody knows you know uh, and really you know i went and found temples which nobody has heard of and uh, one of the things that i want to share with you is the yogmaya temple the yogmaya temple is today known as the kutub mosque uh now why is it a mosque there's a little bit of arabic somewhere they made uh, huge arches on old temple stones and why it's muslim is why it's islamic is because you see a lot of defaced older temple sculptures now one of the things that i want to start off with i'll just give you a brief this is when you are coming to the sort of oldest so called oldest mosques you pass through various uh, tombs you know because what the uh, islamic strategy was of conquering was to convert the temples into mosques before they were able to build up their own because they were an invading force so you know they didn't there was no notion of art or culture or anything 
So they had to take over whatever they conquered. And this was done in, you know, in old Persia. This was done actually in old Bharat as well, what was it, Khanistan, etc. So there's nothing, you know, I mean, you know, any, uh, any violent tradition does this. Uh, so the signature mark, of course, is the destruction. You know, I was trying to see, okay, what is the signature mark? And the signature mark really is how they have defaced and how they have made this sort of very ad hoc, how they have actually destroyed the, actually the locus. So these are the disfigured sculptures. And what you see below is this kind of double triangulation, the triangle as the four-cornered, triangular, you know, including a triangle, but also like a four-cornered point. Now, in terms of geometry, in terms of, you know, uh, science, you see, in the Shakti tradition, you don't have this notion of a belief tradition. You have a bhakti. I mean, any of us who feel we are initiated into, uh, into the parampara feel that there is a certain bhakti. But, the, but my bhakti is on the level of the mind. I mean, when I left my school, it was very clear to me, I don't want my mind, uh, you know, I want my mind swatantra. I want my chit shakti absolutely khula. I want my, you know, my the mind has to flow out. And even the, uh, the you know, when you read some of the shakti uh, texts in the original, the, the Mahamaya Tantra or whatever, uh, what you, uh, what is always, you know, what you always get is something like uh, chit dhyan. Adhyan. Now, Adhyan comes from Dhyan, but study. Uh, then you have Sankalp, because Vikalp, uh, Buddhi, some, some Buddhi. Now, what it has is, there's a notion that you have the notion of the primordial Shakti, which is the zero form, the Shunya, where there's nothing. There's absolute state of Shunya. Now, this is a theorem. You have to understand this as a theorem of the cosmos whether you want to call it the black hole or whether you want to translate it in terms of modern physics, that's a different story. I don't want to do the translation. I want to actually start from what is within these, these concepts. The second is the passage from the zero to the one. Now, once the one is created, the one includes all forms, which is infinite. Now, that goes for all kinds of modalities, whether, it's whether you want to call it sexual or sexuality or gender or whatever. The moment you have that, that uh, as, uh, as your primordial theorem, you do not have any kind of normative. You don't have any kind of power-based normative gender or sexuality. What you have is the notion that every particular modality has its property. And that every particular, that the whole idea is not that you have a divine trust on you or somebody dying on the cross for you or somebody saying, if you, you know, if you don't believe, we're going to kill you or we're going to throw you into the slave market. No, you don't have that. What you have a notion is how in all those myriadic forms, all, all those billions of scores and scores of forms, koti-koti, you know, how do you find your own ikhdevi or desha? And how do you internalize that? That is the main issue. So, and so you have the idea not to go to the lowest common denominator, but to find your uttam, you know, you, you know, you ha you to find your uttam purush or to find your, you know, divine feminine, which can be Mahakali, which can be Mahalakshmi, it can be Mahasaraswati. My ishtevi is Chamunda and Saraswati, but now I'm getting into Mahalakshmi because I feel, you know, 
was a dinghy on the the dinghy. And so what they did was, I think the tempus that they created was the state of the art. Really, if I say it was a state of the art, and so my, my bhakti is in the form of another state of the art. I want the mental or the, the, the chit dhvani to be really a resonant energy that absolutely opens up and expands into, it's expansive. So where I'm coming from is that the, the, there is the area of the expansive kind. Not the restrictive identity politics that you do tukre tukre and now you want to put Kali in a burkha. I mean, you know, the, the absurdity. But you know, that is the nihilism. This is a product of nihilism and we have to recognize this as a very, very nihilistic form. And so we have to make sure that we are not, you know, uh, mm, you know, getting into it as a reactive energy. That is very important. Now, as if you, why, why did I choose Delhi? And I chose Prashant, uh, and then later I showed uh, Gopi also some of the images. But Prashant I took, which is very nice for me, because like I said, uh, today, uh, my work is, uh, you know, I've been sort of excommunicated from various uh, communities. I mean, the feminists hate me, the lefties hate me, the so-called queer movement hates me. Everybody seems to hate me. So I don't blame them. Anyway. So here you see now this ad hoc, ad hocity. So you see this strange art. Are you talking? Okay. So, but what you have is in the middle, look at this. You have the matrikas. And you see the matrika on one of the sides has a kind of a serpentine underbody or lower body. And you have the the very the dwarpas. But then the dwarpas can be a gandhas, they can be a they can be a celestial form. And even the concept then there that you have of gender is a very is a very different concept because once you're out, the, there is a notion that you have then two triangles. You have like you have the double triangles. You know what's it's called the Star of David, but actually the, these are these are the two yonis which are always in spiral, always moving. So one yoni will uh, will basically have the prakriti. She is the prasa, the pushpaita, the the prakriti, and the other is the more hidden form. So you have the hidden gyan form. You have the notion of the third eye, the invisible, what you cannot normally see, you have the notion of the magical, which is where Mahamaya comes in. Mahamaya is not delusion. This is the whole problem of, uh, and this temple I actually feel is part of the Yogamaya tradition. Now, of course, even when you all, what has happened today is that even, you know, people have now, when I was researching this place way back in the late 80s, and, you know, realizing that they were actually, this was actually built on a whole variety, a whole umbrella of, uh, it was a temple city. Finally, they came and said, yes, they, are, they were temples. And well, they're Jain temples. And what do you mean by Jain temples or Vaishnava temples or whatever? This is another problem of categorization. You have to see what is the inner, inner cognition, what, is, what are the parikramas that you do, what, 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 what is it, what, is the, what does the architecture contain? Here what you have is, and I'm, this is the same problem, like I said, of our own modernity, our own very, very fractured, nihilistic modernity, that it creates a kind of ad hocity. 
you don't understand the past, you don't deal with the past, you take on what is the notion of the West, I mean, what is the notion, they haven't even studied Western history. I studied Western history, I studied my karma. Obviously, he was a converted Jew. His father was a converted Jew to make his career. And uh, what did he do? He created the notion of alienation because he was alienated himself. He didn't know how to deal with his own stuff. He never braved. Sorry, I mean, <coughs> there are people who don't brave. That's not a problem. The yogis, I mean, I'm, I'm not going there. But basically, if you're a family man, then, you know, you haven't, you know, show some respect to your family, yeah? Then he kept living off his relatives. <laughs> so you're going to create a parasitic situation. And, you know, what happens is you go making all this superstructure, 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 but basically you don't even have common sense. So that is a problem of, and this is the same adoptism which is coming about. So you can see very, very clearly. Look at this now. I mean, where do you ever have a form like this? Now, the thing is that I lectured in a lot of, you know, uh, places in Europe, usually, you know, small Burmese uh, groups and things like that, you know. But no Indology, no Indian studies would ever invite me. And here, too, the, the other way around, that, you know, uh, mm, mm, uh, the moment you present this material, they say, oh, I mean, I was called once to, uh, uh, you know, the university in Calcutta. Uh, <coughs> and how dare you talk show all this? This is Hindu to us. This is fascism. And that was the end. Then they boycotted me. Nobody would talk to me after that. Now, basically, the city gets its name from Kali. Mumbai gets its name from its patron deity, which is Mumbai Devi. Delhi gets its name from Dhimika. You have inscriptions of uh, Delhi, uh, which call it also Yoganipura. I mean, these are, these are documented ins inscriptions, which I have somewhere in my records line. But anyway, where do you get this kind of sculpture? And for me, one of the biggest violent forms is to call it idol, idol worship. Now, the thing is that if you're part of the Sagar triangle, I mean, I'm certainly part of the Sagar triangle because, you know, I'm almost 60 years old and I don't have children. I'm not going to have children. I knew I would never be a biological mother. I have no issues with uh, people who have uh, grandkids, who have kids, you know, because I think both are very important and they have to be in balance. Now, back to the notion of what are the mothers. Now, for me, this is very, very beautiful that even this arch is actually holding, actually even these matrikas are holding up the <laughs> arch which they built. Even that they couldn't hold up on their own. They needed <laughs> somewhere even, <laughs> I mean, uh, this to hold up. But what you also have is you also have the sadashiv. You see this uh, head which is there next to, sorry, I have to, you know, operate, but uh, this head right in the beginning which is facing small, that is called the sadashiv. Now, the sadashiv is like the eternal shiv form, and it's a very still machinative. I mean, I'm going to, you know, because of the problem of translation, you know, I have to, in some sense, use a certain kind of production, but it is actually a very beautiful still machine which can receive this dynamic energy. And you don't necessarily have to do it in a sexual relationship. 
this is a whole idea of uh, Western sexuality has been, or uh, Islamic sexuality has been based on the gulam. You know, you're the slave and I'm the penetrator. You know, the, pen the person, you can penetrate the kid, you can penetrate the animal, you can penetrate whoever. So it's based on that kind of master-slave dominance. Which is fine, that, that's how they do it, that's how they do it. And you must know what you're that's what you want and that's what you want which is why you can rape the cutters you can you know and that, that's what created this terrible terrible uh, imbalance of the feminine and that's what also created I mean people always talk about Victorian shame but actually the notion of shame comes from earlier because if you have a, a violent colonizing form which says that we can we have the right to rape and convert and this is what's happening with Love Bihar. I mean I'm very sad what's happening in Sindh you know that people Every day they go and you know abduct a Sindhi girl and rape her and convert her to, you know this is this is the reality and that's why you had the citizens like uh, you know Gohar and Mukherjee and uh, to be honest I, I would prefer to die than be uh, be a slave as such this kind of violence that's another story but what I'm basically trying to say is the opposite to that is the still masculinity which can receive the feminine and not just the feminine from say a woman, you know, but the feminine as a much larger, as a much, because what the hell, we're all, we all stay nine months in a very dark space uh, nine, uh, in the, uh, as a fetus. So there is this notion of the womb. This is, you know, what I found when I was coming out of my uh, secular socializing, and it was a genuine uh, secular, you know, it was not a secular, it was a secular because I felt like, you know, there should be a, a you know, civil law that is common for everybody, and there should be a certain civilian law. And I studied this sort of secular movements in the West, you know, where, you know, you have a monotheistic uh, uh, orthodoxy, and then you have a reform movement which, which tries to break away the power of the belief, the church in this case, uh, the belief system and the state. So you have the notion of, you know, individual civil rights, which is a very important movement. Uh, however, in, in the gamut of, uh, naturally, of uh, what we have in terms of, uh, of Hinduism, of Hinduism or whatever, what you, Bharatiya, whatever you want to call it, you don't have this, you don't have this orthodoxy. Etymology also, Mandir comes from Man, which is Manas, which is the mind. I mean, you have the concept of manas also as masculinity and mansa, which is also, you have mansa devi. So, you know, it's not like the mind is, only one gender has the mind and the other doesn't. I mean, of course, there were gender wars. I'm not going to deny that there were certain regressive traditions, but there were also very, very progressive traditions which said, okay, you know, if, you, you know, this tradition has, like, is violating this, then we have a mythology which will counter this and, you know, shift it over. But I don't want to get into all these uh, permutations and combinations. Here, I just want to show to you that, you see, this is when your circle is broken. Now, the other thing you're blocked off is open spaces, open frames. Now, what are open frames? You see, when you have a drishtikon or you have a, you, you have a notion of uh, viewing something, you have a drishtikon of it. Now, actually, what I'm doing today is actually I, I work with the visual imagery, I'm fascinated by the digital and uh, uh, I'm fascinated by the electronic, I'm fascinated by physics. I have no issue with, you know, old and new because I think this is part of it. This is part of what uh, mm, Gopi is saying about the Gyan tradition. Uh, 
and at the same time, you know, um, there is bhakti. I mean, you know, so uh, the bhakti is not superstition. The bhakti is something which is coming from a very deep interior bhav. And, you know, uh, the other thing of the, the divine traditions is the aksharam. You don't have the notion, okay, okay, you know, whatever you do in this, in this life, you either do it by certain laws, okay, haram or halal or, you know, sin or whatever. And then in the other world, you will get your deeds. No, what you have here also is the fact that if you strive, the whole <coughs> thing is to strive towards that divine. And when you strive towards that divine, every now and then the divine descends here. So if you go to, say, <coughs> a temple performance, which is what it would be, would have been, I've seen this in certain places when I was traveling, that they were still, you know, performing, say, I don't even call them rituals, because what is it? It's kala, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, and in the West, the artists had the beauty, the dharmic beauty to create something so beautiful that one could transcend the human. Uh, and here, too, one didn't have the notion of transcending, but one had the notion of that you could make these transcendental forms or these gandhas come, come down. And I still remember this very, very beautiful experience. I was traveling in a bus years ago. This was in the 80s, late 80s. And I had gone through in the time. The buses were horrible and so on and so forth. Uh, I was complete off. But this is a, this is a moment that you were, uh, uh, you know, leaving the whole sort of notion of what constitutes the human mortal state behind it onto another level. So that was even the idea, I think, that, you know, that you could make these whatever uh, triangulated space you occupied, you had from time to time possibilities of moving to the other spaces. So if you work from this other hidden, third, you know, these hidden triangles that he's not going to, he's going on procreating, you could still have a beautiful relationship as an aunt and uncle or whatever, or as a, you know, grand aunt or whatever. You could still have a relationship with. Or the uh, other side, of course, was that you could, you know, there were certain temple rituals that were, say, only male spaces or only female spaces or in between spaces or whatever you want to call it, whatever modality of, you know, whatever that uh, particular divine constellation there was. Here what you do is you block the flow. What you do is you torture. So here what you have is you've taken the temple, still is, but you've walled it off. Just like your big house, you wall off. I mean, everywhere you have, even in the artist's exit, so you have walled cities. So there are no open plains. Now, again, put this side, you know, put it sideways. We're not even bothered about <laughs> how they uh, can At least with Lego, you know how to build your building blocks. There's some sort of uh, uh, order behind it, organization behind it. But here it is. Any kuch bhi. You know, in French, you say n'importe quoi. You know, anything. Betuk, you know, bilkul ad hoc. So this is now the detail basically. Now, everywhere you go, you'll find the lotus feet, the kamal pot. Now, the kamal is actually always A plus one. You know, so you'll have the matrikas, you'll have the eight into eight, chausat yogini, you know, so there's, there is a whole sort of uh, 
numerical cosmology in this. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, your, the, the other triangle, which is inclusive of, you know, this relationship, harmonic relationship between the two triangles, which is an inclusive form. So we don't beat people on the head and say, you know, this is my identity and how dare you say this, or this is your identity, how do you do this? It is much more a form of uh, communication and connectivity. So even the sort of like art forms that they developed were one of uh, connectivity and uh, the whole idea to sh create frames of perspective which worked with not just uh, frontal perspective but with, which worked with very complex perspectivization. That is why I use the word drishti, drishti cone. So cone was the angle or point of view. Now, most, actually many, uh, you know, the Kundalini in terms, the relationship with the Kundalini and the divine is interlinked. You cannot separate the divine from the Kundalini because Kundalini is the basis of life, basis of Jeev. But Kundalini is also the basis of all kinds of yoga. Now, yoga actually means to heal. So you can have, you know, a yoga which, which takes your sort of like the Kundalini from here to your Sahas receptor. You can have another form of Kundalini energy and then you have like asans and asans and asans and asans and asans. And a lot of these yogis are listening to this talking. We don't know what to make. And because there's so much destruction which is happening without proper work. And certainly, uh, you know, uh, one, one small lifestyle and one small individual can only do very, very little. And but so you see all this entire thing is sexual erotic carving of basically you know it can be uh, autoerotic it can be homoerotic it can be heteroerotic it can be intererotic I mean uh, these are you know people who actually practice in these forms for them to you know find their own and uh, tell us what is that and you can just say that is that, that's basically it. That was the whole idea. So you can see that everywhere there are these dwarpals which are holding this, this sort of erotic sculpture. And the roof is actually, uh, I will show you the roof later, what the original structure might have been like. So again here you have series and series of erotic carvings. Now like what I was saying is that these erotic carvings, I mean today we know Khajuraho because Khajuraho escaped unscathed. But actually, I mean, there's practically everywhere I've gone, there's been erotic carvings. I mean, it, the erotic carvings is not the exception. This is something we have to understand. It's not the exception. Now, the problem is, why is the fear towards this awakening? You know, I try, I'm trying to understand sometimes, you know, there's at least before when I used to show some of this work to you know, the Indians who let me show it to them. They would be fascinated by it. They start ridiculous, something so beautiful, I mean, you know. But today there's this violence, there's this self-hate which is so deep. And it is very, very destructive. So we have to be very careful about how we approach these issues. Now, one of the things which really struck struck me actually is this is something which I only realized uh, the other day after I was re-photographing everything because you see I want to be also state of the art so when I originally photographed I was working with 
same cameras, where naturally you don't have the same detail that you can get with some of the modern technology and integrate within the digital revolution. Um, and what I realized was, okay, this is the upper panel. I hope I'm not obstructing people's view. So what you find is you'll often find a dual form, you know, two individuals, and then you'll have a single, single form. So like I said, there's no mm, conflict between being unmarried asexual or living out the kundalini on the level of karma, of your body. But the idea of the erotic, the shringharras, can be at many, many levels. So you can have it as an artist, you can have it as a scientist. Because the shringhara is a level of the mind too. That is the beauty of this thing too. The other thing I noticed, which I've been to this place and, you know, <laughs> researched uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. But this is what I realized, because this is now working with more detail. I realized that there's a curve in this. You see here, you can see the curve. This sculpture is not made as a straight line. So obviously, they had this notion of vibration. Resonance and vibration. So that is why you had notions like anhatvana, you know, a sound that you do not hear because what are sound frequencies? I mean, our ears, our human ears can pick up certain, certain frequencies. Same thing, our eyes can pick up certain uh, light frequencies. You know, visible light is only a very small frequency range which our indriyas, you know, our senses can pick up. So they were aware of the fact that there are other frequencies. Now, when I was, you know, when I was young and I was fascinated by uh, uh, string theory and physics, I used to love physics, reading and physics. And so I used to be fascinated by the fact that you have all these, you don't have just four dimensions, but you, you may have 10 dimensions. And now, of course, you can prove 10, 11, but of course, there's no proof for it. But th there's a notion that the first is a vibration. And out of this vibration, the first string is a vibration. Similar in one sense is a con concept that from the shunya, absolute, you know, where there's absolutely no form, nirakar, uh, you have the akar, the first akar. And this thing, this then breaks into many different forms. And then the whole, there's a whole notion of how do you come back to this point of connecting? Because you have Ishwar, which is your cosmos, and, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, many different. Now, what I found so beautiful on the architectural uh, level is you ha are carving not in a straight line. You actually have not a simple image. But the abstraction of this is, is like a vibration in material form. You see here, this is a straight line. And not see above. A lot of this abstract uh, abstracted geometry, you will find then, huh? No, th that is living. That yes, this is not broken. This is not part of the. <laughs> no, this is this is something I realized only with working with. See, I couldn't do it earlier because I didn't have. This is what modern technology is doing. That it allows you to see what. Because I was teaching further see, which is why. I you know, exactly like Gopi said, you know, I don't see, you know, 
uh, technology at all as a problem. I don't see you know, new science as a problem, or I don't see science from another tradition as a problem. But I have to uh, understand it, its epistemology. You know, I've been to 30 countries, and I've been to Centuries, I've been to uh, South America, I've seen, you know, some of their old forms. I have never seen anything like this. The intricacy that you find in this study, in Delhi, is absolutely amazing, and it's there despite the discussion. This is, for me, what is so beautiful, because, you know, one aspect of knowing this city, that we have this very deep spatial memory, This is the Bhairav form. This is again seen as, you know, the Dwarpal, again seen as this other, the yogis of this other ethnic triangle. And I just want you to see the, the detail. Now, all of this would be, you have to understand this in terms of energy formation. That is the discussion on ad hoc. So one of the ways the Kundalini would be depicted would be, now what is beautiful is that the, the, the uh, this is feet, they actually, there's a, there's a jami pair and the heads are both chopped off, but the bodies are still there. But the Kundalini form is there, this intertwined. Next to it will be a singular form, which is uh, self-contained. So the Kundalini is contained within itself. Now, this is baked into the idea that your horizontal, you're not just reading a text flat like this, but you're seeing it from the idea of a parikrama. So you can go around. This is when you are seeing it from the in-between perspective. So this is what Gopi is talking about, the whole idea of, you know, the antar. Now, as you know, the, the in-between. Now, the uh, uh, sandhi and antar is very interesting. In Sanskrit, you have what is called sandhi, which is where you combine two sound particles. And out of the sound particles, you create another entity which is harmonic on the level of sound. So there's a whole thing of sound harmony. Now here you have antaha plus a gives you anta. Now which is interesting because halant is the last sound of the alphabet, the devnaki. And a is the first swar. Now uh, in uh, devnagri you have the first line of devnagri is pure swar. So where the tongue doesn't touch anywhere. A, a, e, e, and so on. And then, and the re and the re actually is the vibration of the tongue. I mean, I can't do it. I, probably people who know how to, who have sound, you know, who are doing mantras, etc., they probably have the sound knowledge. This is the other thing, <coughs> that you have sensory knowledge. So just because I may have a cerebral knowledge doesn't mean I possess 
my, my, I'm much more working on the idea of drishti, so naturally my sound, I will not be able to articulate it, display a sound performer maybe. But here what you have is, you have in between perspectives. So it's not just that you have four corners of the pillar, you have a whole vertical alignment, which is created at, from the triangulation of the two pillars. So this is a contra perspective. And that was the anchor perspective. Now I was, sorry, I was, uh, uh, got stuck. So Antaha plus Earth, Antaha is everybody knows as M, using Chopin's uh, term in 1910, which is important. You have to know when a cycle ends and something else. Even if it's a linear one, you have to know when it ends. Then you put Earth, which is the first alphabet, and you have Anta, which is in between interval in between and so on. So you have a lot of cosmologies of Antaryama and uh, I mean Anta, you know, a lot of other things which I've got a whole list of which are there. And this is the sort of, what it means is that each contra perspective is important. But when it combines, it creates this sort of in between. So you're no longer at the end of something. You can, you're at the end of something, you're also at the beginning of something and you're also at the in between of something. capacities uh, they didn't just have the idea of um, uh, measurable sound you know, there was a whole thing of what is measurable what can you measure what can you not measure there was a tremendous amount of debate on that there were entire philosophical traditions that said uh, you know uh, uh, this is not just the western tradition by the way there were you know rational traditions in india that said you know uh, if i cannot see it if i cannot measure it doesn't matter so you did have those debates here too Here what you have is you have the vertical perspective is a triangle. You have a tongue in the triangle. You have a base-like structure. You have a garland of yonis. And then you have the roof, which is seen as a celestial. connects to the Kundalini energy and then below you have an abstract, you know, some sort of abstract depiction and you can have like a human depiction, a dampati, a pair, you know, in partnership. So of course, uh, most of the times the pillars, they've, you know, they, they've like knocked off the human forms. These are still forms that exist. And when you look even at the Fanta tradition, you have the idea that there is a celebration. You know, like there's a level of the pillar, there's another level, there's another level, there's another level. And the jewel can exist even, so you have the bird. Uh, they'll also create a form. They'll also create like a, uh, a you know, semi-triangulated form. minute, you know, sculptures, it's about, you know, this, this big. Now you have the twins, 